Ah, well, hello there. Didn't see you come in. Just sharpening up my machete after last week's machete fight. You know those blade-on-blade parries sound cool, but they're hell on your sword. They're not recommended in real life. They're an uh, artifact of stage play. They look and sound amazing, which is why you still see them in sword fights in movies and TV. And much as a sword fight in a movie or television is different than a sword fight in real life, a sword fight for stage or screen is very different than a fight in Dungeons & Dragons. That's going to be what we discuss this week on Pearl River Roll. You're listening to Pearl River Roll by Pearl River Flow, a podcast in which I, your faithful dungeon master, Patrick Jerome, take three relatively inexperienced players through a game of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. We have Robert Morris playing the uh, the ringleader, the warlock, Bon. We have Daniel Palmer playing the flamboyant and always entertaining Randall Rhodes. And we have James Cody playing Elvin Drebin, whose name I always mispronounce. The Elven Ranger with a penchant for beef jerky and forest fitness. These three are playing as town guards in an amazing setting known as Greygast. Greygast is on loan to us from Flannel of Many-Sided Dice. Check them out. It's a setting where anything from high fantasy to low fantasy to middle fantasy to weird fantasy to that fantasy you had that time but you're not telling anyone can happen and will. Previously, our intrepid adventurers had been sent by their superior, Garm Stoutfist, the Dwarven Brewmaster, and Monk, and town guard to investigate mysterious animal attacks when they arrived they found geese and drunks they fought them both and emerged narrowly victorious now we go to the interstitial as they visit various places advance the plot do a little bit of healing and meet some interesting characters before their next adventure i hope you enjoy this week's episode of pearl river roll Uh, yeah, you know some people at the Scotland that would be interested in handling this. You can drive there from here pretty quick. The uh, the tops on the bucket. Oh yeah. When we get back to when they get when we get back to the wagon, Randall's going to take some uh, what rags or straps of leather, or whatever he can find, and just try to tie the. Sure, you've got some rope back there. You tie it down. I'll wrap some rope around it and tie it yeah. just to make sure. Randall's Randall's extra secure in this <coughs> you guys get ready. And so you guys, as you're kind of getting ready to leave, the farmers come back up to you and uh, says, so um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, those goose, uh, we were expecting to sell those for some crowns uh, that we lost there that you guys murdered. Can't help but notice that we're down five geese. It's probably worth a couple of crowns a piece, you know. I got hungry family members. Farm looks at them and says, well, now you have five geese, so now you're not going to be hungry. And I'm going to use intimidation. Okay. And it didn't work. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think, I think that we just can't just eat geese. We'll wind up like this guy. No, going to walk up to one of them, take a big piece of jerky, and uh, say, yeah, this is for those hungry kids here. Buddy, we don't worry about your geese. You keep them in their cages. This guy's like, okay. 
Well, now I got some beef jerky if I want to look like Quality an, beef jerky. Can chew on Quality. this in public if I want to look like an asshole. <laughs> well, then Vaughn is like, uh, I shouldn't have been a dick. I'd give him, I'd give him 10 crowns. Man, uh, oh, 10 crowns. This will feed my family for a month. Thank you, sir. This is, oh, wow. Dungeon Master speaking. When you hear that noise, that one. That's just me adding on a little something that you might need to know after the game. The players and I aren't privy to this sort of thing as we're playing, but it's a sort of design notes and things like that that I feel like might help your campaign. So, here comes one. Dungeon Master aside time. I don't really like the way that inspiration works in 5th edition. In an upcoming game, we're going to change it up a little bit so you guys will... See what I would like to do with inspiration. However, I do want to point out that because he changed his mind here, he can't really earn inspiration. However, if he had been immediately for the people and decided to... Uh, that's right, Bond is a Morgan and Morgan commercial. But if Bond had immediately been for the people and given them that money, I would have given him inspiration. The other reason I didn't give him inspiration is because I completely forgot about inspiration. It's just not inspiring which is why we're going to change it up later but anyway back to the game honey honey we can afford to eat for this week thank you so much good sirs here have this goose i take the goose and um bound bond takes the goose and throws it to randall, randall uh, this is the one that you strangled earlier okay Eldon's gonna I... try to get that jerky back <laughs> <laughs> the guy is just like uh yeah you chewed on this piece <laughs> i um I want to shake his hand on the way out, and I want to do one of those moves where you like roll their, where you squeeze their knuckles okay. and roll their knuckles. Give me a strength check. Seven. <laughs> this farmer is surprised. I mean, he's a farmer. He's pretty stout. He's just like, thanks. <laughs> squeezes down really hard. And you, you hear like this in your own hand, and it really hurts. <laughs> All right, well, I headbutt him in the nose. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Give me an unarmed attack. That's <laughs> a crit. The guy squeezes Randall's hand a little too hard, and Randall goes, ah, and headbutts him, knocks him clean out. The guy just falls down on the ground, and the other farmer goes, well, I guess we'll be spending that five gold at the healers. Thanks. Thanks. You boys go on now, you hear? Nice having you. Please I'm leave. Randall and I go, damn it, Elden. You guys <laughs> get back on the wagon. On the wagon, there is um, y'all's salves and things that you can rub on yourselves to get a hit point back. Dungeon Master speaking. Uh, some of my more rules lawyer-esque listeners may be concerned about the nature of the salves on the wagon. The salves on the wagon are meant to represent the kind of inherent healing ability that is available to characters that live in a large city like Greygast. This way they don't have to go he seek out a healer after every single fight, but if they want to be tactical and get healed in a battle, they'll need to go buy some potions or something. It's only one or two hit points, these are kind of a, um, in the original Grey Gas setting that many sided dice let us use so kindly. He has a uh, book that you should definitely get. Go to many sided dice.com and get the 
the lost artifacts of Greygast. Uh, Garm is in the book. And you will be able to kind of see some of these um, interesting healing uh, objects. But we went with the salves and everything to kind of simplify things for radio play. And also just to kind of give them that little edge on a fight where it's not so much this is going to save their lives, but it is going to keep them from having to go and find a healer out of caution after they get beat up by some geese, for instance. So anyway, if you kind of want to get an idea behind the other things you could use for that, go check out the uh, Lost Artifacts of Greygast. If you want to uh, berate me for including one or two points of healing, which is what they get off the wagon and what they get from traveling, you know, just go fuck yourself. I don't care. Anyway, back to the game. There, yeah, uh, just one. Just one. There is also a uh, communal healing potion that the guard kind of issues to each patrol. It can be drank out of, but it's not something that you can drink in combat because it's kind of awkward and in a big good jug. But you can chug that and get back uh, four hit points. Okay. Yeah, that'll put me all the way back. Okay, and now there are... Yeah. Somebody keep track that there are now three... I'm sorry, there's now one more chug left in the communal hit point potion jug bucket. Sorry, two. Two charges left. Two? Yeah, there's two left. There, there are, every day the guard issues you this bucket of healing goop that you can drink. It's kind of gross, but it's better than dying. Uh, and you can give it to somebody out of combat. Okay, so the sound brought me back up to 12 Yeah. out of 15 total. And then... Do you want to chug on some potion, or are you just going to stay where you're at? Um, he doesn't have a um, healing dice, a heal dice roll? We'll, we'll do that later. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the 12. I'll be right. All right. All right, so we're going we're gonna, to... Well, we got two more left, so you don't want thus, con- uh, thus concludes the adventure. Uh, Dungeon Master speaking. So, I actually cut out a whole bunch of uh, them discussing how many hit points they get back here and there and things like that. So, if you're like scratching numbers in at home, don't stop. Just please calm, calm down. But one thing that you can do to uh, help your players do these things quicker and kind of keep track of things better is issue everybody a little hit point card. There's maximum hit points. I use an index card and they can just kind of scratch and add things here and there. And um, I know some dungeon masters want them to announce it to make sure nobody's cheating, but don't, don't do that. It's annoying. If they want to drink a healing potion during a downtime, they can do it. They can adjust their numbers. So yeah, anyway, back to the game. Oh, they're, they're about to skip a little bit of time here as they travel. You know, I imagine a lot of that healing stuff was taking place on the ride. So they're now where they were going. Ta-da! Okay, you gentlemen have made it to the Scotland. This is where the wizards of the city hang out. It's in the Spire Court, the very nice part of town. The streets are wide. There's often, uh, all the bricks are always there. The buildings are often made of marble and fine things like that. Wide open spaces, trees, grass, people milling about. 
There are there's a bazaar here where you can get pretty much anything you want if you've got the money. And at the heart of it, there is the the spire, which is its own problem. Uh, but where you guys are headed is the scallum. The scallum is a ornate building. It looks like a library slash a university building, but there's just something off about it. Uh, the streets lead up to it and then they change directions slightly as though this place has been removed and put back a few times. Maybe it's burned down or something. It's hard to tell. It doesn't quite mesh with the rest of the neighborhood. Uh, it's, it's rounded edges. It's rounded dome kind of situation on the top. And when you come towards it, it's hard. To, the, what seems like should be the main entrance, like where you lead right up to it, is not, in fact, a entrance at all. It's just kind of a ramp that leads up to the side of the building. And then over to the east is a small door guarded by two very intense-looking individuals that have ceremonial-style armor on of scale mail, big sashes, and then they have these terrifying masks that look like horse skulls that come down over them and they guard this door that seems to be very small <clears throat> and when you uh, guess kind of the wagon comes up to what seems to be the main entrance two people appear from around the corner that didn't it seems like it's a trick it seems like it's an illusion but you see now that there was a hidden packet uh, passageway there two guys come out they come to your cart and they go oh constables Uh, personal note, it occurs to me that I maybe am not describing the Scalum as best I could. That is because the Scalum somewhat defies explanation and definitely befuddles description. So just keep that in mind. I am doing a very good job of describing the Scalum. Thank you. These guys are not dressed like the creepy guards, but they appear almost out of nowhere. So it's slightly unnerving. The whole place is very unnerving. They, never been you've never been here before, okay. probably. Randall's probably never been here before either. Uh, bon, you've had to come here before to get your, you know, uh, when you said that you wanted to be on the constabulary and you had magical abilities that you were going to be using in the lines of duty, they made you come here and determine that your powers were going to be uh, controllable, basically. The, you know, your your patron, the Black Iron Fay, is of no concern to them. They've had constables and other people in towns deal with worse, but they do try to kind of keep an eye on people who are maybe like demon worshippers or something. Mm -hmm. uh, Eldon's going to lean forward towards Bond, like uh, this place is giving me a real bad feeling, man. Uh, we're going to be all right here, aren't we? I look at Eldon and I say, we are. Yeah, and the place is definitely designed to kind Don't of give you... Don't give anybody jerky. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> the, two, the two guys that kind of come up, they go, uh, Constables, is there, do you have business with anyone in the Scotland today? Do you have an appointment? We have an imp in uh, a bucket oh. that we got from a book that oh. was bought by a farmer who didn't know that it was cursed. This is this eternity. Is dire news indeed. I'm glad that you've brought this to us. Uh, the guy turns to the guards with the the uh, horse skull helms and he waves them over and does his little finger, come over here. The guys come over, 
says something to him, you guys can't really make it out, and you're not even sure it's a language you know. And he says, um, all right, well, we will take this uh, and make sure that it's properly bound and banished back to its home dimension. However, uh, this book that he got it from, that is a, that's a constabulary matter. You're going to need to track down whoever sold this book. That's not our concern, you understand. And Mr. Bond, someone in the Scalamance would like to speak with you if you would leave these two gentlemen outside. Personal note, it is Scalam and not Scalamance. I said Scalamance because perhaps I play a bit much World of Warcraft. Anyway, it's Scalam. Back, back, back to the game. I look, I look at them and I say, I do and Elder's going to be like, you tell them about the geese. Tell them about the damn geese. And I'd say we had a bit of trouble with geese, but that's aside. Oh, yes, of course. They can be quite monstrous. And- Are we... I'm going to... Uh, uh, I'm going to follow him as far as I can until somebody well, says... When you get off the wagon... And walk towards the door. The door is probably like 15 feet away from where the smallish door. The the two guys in the horse mask. I'll stop at the door. They they cross halberds right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I'm gonna just stand there. Yeah. And watch talk. my boss. Okay. He, as far as I can. He. Uh, um. All right. Well, Bond, when you come to the doors, the guys pull the halberds back. Uh, you see the, the Elden, you see these two kind of gold-clad little attendant guys. They're like wrestling with the imp bucket, and they grab it, and they haul it back into their weird little alcove. And then you, if you go and you see to, into the alcove, it seems like the alcove goes into a door or something, but it just vanishes, and they're gone. You're like, what the, what the shit? <laughs> There's a lot of weird angles around here that don't quite make sense. And so you, you see him go up to the door, and he walks up to the door, and he seems to shrink. As he walks right through the door and into it. And That's Bond, why I don't like this magic shit, baby. I thought a bunch of smoking mirrors. Bond, never you, know it's real. You've been in here before, and the entrance into the Skylum is always different. It, there's always the impression that you're changing sizes to go through it. Other than that, nothing on the other side is always quite the same each time. Sometimes you've walked in, and it has been a pastoral scene with people just reading books out and having a picnic. Sometimes you've walked in on dark rituals. Other times, usually it has the appearance of a, a library. And that is what it is looking like today, however. It's a library. There's uh, sages and wizards milling about. And your contact at the Scholomats, uh, Taryn Telegranth. She's a, she's a human. She's a constable that used to be on your... In uh, Garm's patrol, and she uh, is she's a wizard. Tarantella. Okay. And she's a, a wizard that adventured with Grant, uh, Garm back in the day. And she's y'all's contact at the Skylamats. Basically, if the, if your if Garm's crew discovers anything weird and magical, that's who you're supposed to take it to. And if you're not there, well, technically you guys are supposed to take it to him. And he's supposed to take it to her. <laughs> uh, so 
when you walk in, she's there and she's reading a book and she looks up from the book. She's a tall lady, real dark skin, uh, dreadlocks, long dreadlocks, lots of rings and jewelry. Uh, and, and she says, oh, Bond, it's good to see you here. I, uh, the gentleman at the front told me that you had brought some, uh, had some trouble with some sort of imp creature. I trust that wasn't too difficult. The geese were worse. <laughs> oh, well, 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 she thinks about that for a second, nods, and goes, I can see how that could be the case. Yes. Uh, anyway, so about this book, we've received several hmm, disturbing reports lately about people purchasing cursed items from a uh, man in the neighborhood here. Um, unfortunately, our investigative capabilities for these mundane problems are a bit limited, and if we were to bring our more arcane tools into play, it might attract attention that we don't really desire. Uh, Otherworldly attention, you understand. I understand. Personal note here. When he said that, he understood. I just want to let you guys know, he knew what I was talking about. Anyway. If the constables could uh, take it upon themselves to investigate, give Garm my seal of approval on this and let him know that the Scalamance is interested in halting these uh, sales of dubious magical items, we will uh, gladly support you in the next in, in any magical endeavors in the future. The gentleman in question was last seen at the... Uh, will be seen tomorrow... So she kind of pauses and rephrases herself. Says, the gentleman in question will be seen tomorrow, if you understand what I'm saying, at the docks in the morning. We have that on good information that uh, it could be dangerous, however, so do be careful. May I have a description, please? She offers you a crystal ball. And she says something, and you think it's an ancient elven? You're not real sure. And when she does, she hands it to you then. And then when you look into it, you see, at first you see this weird looking little hobbit guy. Like he's kind of got a, he's smoking a pipe. He's got frizzled red hair and he's puffing on the pipe. And then a few minutes later, you see a big half orc guy and he's in a, almost like a tuxedo. And then later, the image kind of shifts to this really big half ogre dude who's bald and wearing just like a. I mean, he's actually very well dressed. He's wearing like a bow tie and a waiter suit and everything, cracking his knuckles. And she takes the crystal ball back and she goes, There is a bit of a problem. <laughs> he appears to be able to shift his shape in some form or manner. Uh, I'll just trust that you constables can get to the bottom of that. We're working on something that might be able to force him into his own form, but casting such a spell in a city like Greygast could be disastrous for many people who are not engaged in such activities, if you understand. Mm. We at Scalamford have a light touch and let others handle our work. And at the moment, Mr. Bond, you are the others. Understanding now, so I guess we're dealing with a shapeshifter. To use the parlance of our times. Okay. Yes, a shapeshifter. They 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 hate it when you call them that. 
But hey, good. Yeah, good. Huh. <laughs> uh. And I wink. And I say good. <laughs> and I'm ready to leave because I'm starting to freak out. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so continued exposure to the skull can cause mental derangements. Anyway, you should go. Yeah. On cheeses it. All right, you turn around and you're like, the door is way over there. You turn around and the door is right there. Oh, there's the door. And so you, all right, so this all happens inside. Outside, uh, Eldon, you've taken the wagon and parked it over kind of to the side there. You've seen several people pull up and have these same kind of weird, shady interactions with these porter people. But no one has gone in through the door that he's gone in through. And you guys sit around for what seems like maybe an hour. And then he pops right back out of those doors and, you know, steps up and it seems like he just gets bigger as he comes through the door and until he's standing outside the door. The guys park their little halberds. And then uh, one of them says to you, Bonnie, he goes, uh, your friend there is standing mighty close. These guys, when they talk, it sounds like your friend there. He was standing mighty close. You know, that's how we wind up getting subjects for the experiments. Not that we would do anything like that to a constable. I look at him and I say, Damn it, Eldon. <sighs> yes, Eldon. Go along. He looks at Randall and says, All right, Eldon. Goodbye. Gentlemen, and they go back to their standing. <laughs> Eldon's gonna put a flask back in his boot as soon as he shows Bond shows up out the door. Eldon, give me, give, me, give me a Constitution check. Sure. Actually, give me a will, a, a wisdom check. How much did you drink? <laughs> Twelve plus two. You, you you managed to just have a nip or two. There we go. <laughs> just a little bit off the edge. There. Make the day go by. But Bond gets back and um, informs uh, Eldon and Randall of the conversation that we had. What do you tell them? I say, um, Tarantella told me that the book uh, was being, uh, that was sold to the farmer, uh, the person who sold it is a shapeshifter who has been known to sell cursed items to the people of the great guests. He will be at the docks tomorrow morning, and it will be dangerous. But they can't help us because such things with them draw otherworldly beings. So we're going to have to take this one ourselves. Now maybe they just don't like to get their hands dirty. Exactly. All right, so you guys have uh, managed to... I need to inform, I need to inform my boss. Yes, you'll need to tell Garm when you get back. Um, but as you guys are having this conversation amongst yourselves, a um, one of uh, one of the, the kobolds from this morning, from the um, Carl's Kobolds crew, comes up and he, he looks at he comes up. Oh, good, uh, you guys. Yeah, mm. yeah. So uh, we got a. Uh, Got word here that uh, Boswell, the uh, you know uh, used to run in the Garm circle here. He's a bard over there and um, bard over there on Hightown right now. He's a constable over there. Got himself a little bit of a promotion and got himself into a little bit of trouble. 
He, uh, he's at the docks right now, and you see, uh, since that ain't exactly high town uh, territory, we, uh, we stack constables got called in on it, see? Dungeon Master's note. Yeah, goblins speak like they're from gangsters in Chicago in the 20s, man. That's how they speak. Everybody knows that. Anyway, back to the game. And uh, somebody needs to go out there and help him out. And Garm said since you three were uh, probably... Personal note. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, goblins speak like that. It's it's a well-known tradition. They speak like that in World of Warcraft. They just seem like they should sound like old-timey gangsters. I believe it to be true, and I stand by my decision. Yeah, you know, probably one of those more uh, better, yeah, better groups. He was uh, wanting to, uh, you guys to go handle it for him. You know, uh, we're, we're down there kind of controlling the perimeter and making sure our situation turned into a riot. Personal note. Personal note. Furthermore, the whole uh, everything here is like 20s gangsters in a fiction has a long and storied history. There were there was the famous Star Trek episode, uh, original series, a piece of the action, uh, 1968 classic Star Trek, mysteriously on a world where aliens all act like gangsters. A year later, 1969, Jack Kirby draws a planet called Crawl, where everybody there acts like gangsters from the 1920s. Maybe he watched the Star Trek episode, or maybe Kirby knew what was iconic, and it's people talking like this, see? Just like my goblins do, okay? She? Anyway. Back to the story. But, uh, we, you know, the all... Boswell needs your help. And uh, you guys remember Garm's stories about Boswell the Bard. Uh, you've never actually met him, but you do know that he is bombastic and excitable and prone to exaggeration, but he's a capable individual, and if he's in trouble, it's probably pretty bad. You also know he's Tarantella's brother. And he he's a pretty crafty individual, so you feel like if he's in trouble, well, at least from Garm's stories, he's a crafty individual. Garm's drunk a lot. <laughs> I say we, we 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 need to help. Ready? Okay. Ready to go? Well, uh, can I can I can I ride on the cart? I'll look in. I'll look in. You will walk. Just okay, fine. I'll walk. Fine, fine. Yeah, I got shorter feet than you guys. Personal note: Apparently, goblins can sometimes sound like Dick Cheney as well. Anyway, all right, fine. Eldon's gonna take the turkey leg he stored earlier in his pockets and hand it to the guy. Says so that asked for the trip. Yeah. <laughs> Personal note, apparently they can also sound like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Anyway. <laughs> this turkey leg is like, it's like giving a normal person a thing of mutton. A little kobold guy is like, ah, oh, yeah, that's going to be good. And he uh, starts kind of wandering off. He puts the turkey leg over his shoulder like it's a club <laughs> or something. <laughs> starts wandering off. All right. So you guys head down towards the docks. Da-da-da-da. Indeed, dear listeners, tune in next time as they leave the strange and wonderful world of the Scalum. And again, 
I really want to thank Flannel over at Many Sided Die for creating the Scalum. Little touches are so important in a game like this. And we'll find out next week what they've learned and if Boswell's in trouble. You'll be introduced to a new gang, new cops, and the ever-wonderful Boswell the Bard. Enjoy your next week's episode of Pearl River Roll, available where all your podcast it's available where you got this podcast, basically. Also, go to pearlriverflow.com slash future trash. Pick up some merch. Pick up a t-shirt. You know you want to. Oh, am I, am I, are we done? Are we done, guys? Okay. Anyway, I got to get back to uh, sharpening up my machetes. Have a good night. Da-da-da-da.